The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, TNA Hall of Famer, and the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, Bully Ray and I talk all about SmackDown from this past Friday. Roman, Jay Uso, Adam Pierce. what's going on leading to the Royal Rumble? Plus, we get into the gauntlet match with Shinsuke Nakamura and what they could possibly do with Nakamura moving forward. I mean, some really great banter back and forth about heels and faces and what constitutes a heel and a face in pro wrestling as we move into 2021. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Everybody that was in that segment on Friday night got over. Think about it. You had Nakamura, in essence, win that gauntlet match and look great to the point where Social media, and then you and I on today's show are talking about what can you do with Nakamura moving forward. So even in a a quote-unquote losing effort, because he didn't win the gauntlet and he's not facing Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble, he got himself over. Roman Reigns and Jey Uso continue to kill it on Friday nights. And like you said, not only from the words that are coming out of their mouth, but their facial expressions. And again, Jey Uso went from being a tag team champion to being completely off of TV to being in the main event segment each and every week on SmackDown. And then you bring in Adam Pearce. And Adam Pearce, who hasn't had a match in six years, who definitely has an impressive resume, as Paul Heyman said, and a great sell from the, you know, from the super kick from Jay Uso on Friday night. But now he finds himself in a match with Roman Reigns at the Rumble, which is very, very intriguing. Phenomenal job across the board with everybody involved in that segment from Friday night. And I know I'm, I blow a lot of smoke up his ass, but it's a phenomenal job by everybody because they have somebody like Heyman helping to put stuff together and helping them and helping them react and explaining to them how to react and explaining to them here's the tone that would be in your voice here's how you would you know um react to this or what you would say in this moment talking about Heyman yes the segment was great blah 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 but I want to talk about reaction and how It can be not as good sometimes. Do you feel like anybody that we saw in that SmackDown segment with Pierce and and Uso, did you feel like anybody was overacting or overreacting? No. Did you see Heyman and Apollo Crews um, after SmackDown, what is it called? Talking SmackDown. Oh uh, yeah, Talking Smack. Yes, I saw. I see? saw the. I saw the the footage on social media. Okay, what did you think of it? I thought I actually thought it was good because they're actually doing something with Apollo Cruz. Mm-hmm. I think and Apollo Heyman been... again. Heyman knows how to draw those things out of you, and that would be an example of that too. You know how Heyman is drawing stuff out of people lately. Mm-hmm. By telling them the truth. Yes. So I'm watching Heyman just sit there and just explain everything to Apollo. Blah, 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 blah. He's just straight up shooting with him. And now we see Apollo getting that forced, like, mad face. Like, oh, wow, he's making a lot of sense to me and I'm getting mad. That's forced reaction. You're not going to react with that typical pro wrestling forced reaction. 
react naturally to everything. The more natural you can react to things these days, the better it's going to come across. Stop doing typical pro wrestler over the top. And when I saw the end of that segment from Apollo, I saw a typical pro wrestler over the top, like mad face. Don't do that anymore. Paul is not being over the top with you. He's being conversational with you the same way he was conversational with Pierce on SmackDown. And you saw Pierce reacting the right way. You saw like when he mentioned Scrap Daddy. And could you imagine if Scrap Daddy was working for Paulie dangerously and you could see like the light bulb go off over uh, Pierce's head? That's why Pierce is doing such a good job right now. His reactions are really good. And also, too, Paul Heyman did a phenomenal job explaining the resume of Adam Pierce. Think about it. Like, you know, and if you go back to his career, he's a, he's a five-time NWA champion. Now, I know yeah, but that's That not- basically means nothing in the world of the WWE and when he was an NWA champion. Granted, the NWA championship was nowhere where it was or even where it is right now. I understand that. But, like, you're not dealing with somebody that's your normal, quote-unquote, executive. And, and he looked, by the way, he looked phenomenal. Like, he came out with the jacket. Like you could tell he's in excellent shape. Now, is it a tough buy-in to see that he could beat somebody like Roman Reigns? Probably. But I'm intrigued because of the story that they're telling. And I'm very, very interested to see what's going to happen at the Rumble. I mean, right now, I got to be honest with you. I'm more interested in what's going to happen with Pierce and Roman than I am with Goldberg and and, and Drew McIntyre. Because with Goldberg and Drew McIntyre, Bully, it's almost like a fear factor. Like, please don't. Please do not do this. Do not hand Goldberg the heavyweight championship again like you did the last two times he returned. And if you forgot... He did win by beating Kevin Owens, and he did win by beating Bray Wyatt. I hope that doesn't happen a third time at the Royal Rumble. So I'm more intrigued what's going to happen with Pierce and Roman because of the story. Because you, you are what? You're emotionally involved with what's going on. Emotional involvement, boy, as you know, has always been the key to pro wrestling. Whether it was Hogan beating the Iron Sheik to win the WWF championship or any other feud that we grew up watching, this is how it starts fundamentally. And honestly, whatever what what they did great on, on Friday, because you asked a caller before, Bully, well, who do you truly hate in the WWE? I got to be honest with what I saw on Friday. Right now, I'm hating Roman Reigns. Because he took somebody like Nakamura that I wanted to see win that gauntlet match, and they prevented him from winning. And now you're seeing Adam Pierce, who was a one-time great wrestler that's six years removed, and they're embarrassing him. So right now, I hate Roman Reigns. So they're doing a good job doing that for me as a fan. I don't find myself hating Roman Reigns just because... um. I find myself loving the new Roman Reigns. I know I'm supposed to hate the character and what he's doing, but he's speaking a lot of the truth. And just something is not resonating with me hating him so far. And it might be that the people that he is taking it out on, I just don't care about. Like, I think Pierce is doing a good job, but as a... Do I really care about Adam Pierce as a human being or as a pro wrestler yet? If you're a WWE viewer, it's probably going to take a little bit more. And hopefully... And I'm sure with the way this storyline is going, they are going to get you to buy in over the next three weeks. So Adam Pierce is a backstage producer for the show. Um, Now, imagine that there was a different backstage producer for the show putting that same position um i'm only going to use this example because it's an easy one for me devon is a backstage producer right okay yes. imagine devon was the one that they that they put on screen representing the you know uh 
you know, SmackDown or last night. And imagine the backstage was with Heyman and Devon, and Heyman is saying all these things to Devon. And then at the end of the match, Devon is the one who had to come out there, and Devon was the one getting beat down by Uso and Roman Reigns. There's going to be a lot more emotional investment True. because now the man that was a backstage, who is a backstage producer and agent, was a, a, a loved uh, wrestler, roster member, Hall of Famer, yada, yada. Yep. So the emotional investment would be deeper. Right now with Pierce, it's kind of like, and And over the past couple of months, we kind of get the feeling sometimes that Adam Pierce may have been in on the retribution thing, or he might be a little bit of a double agent. So there's there's really no reason for me right now as a fan to care that Roman and Uso beat the shit out of uh, Adam Pierce. Yeah, and and this is where they're doing it right on SmackDown because you're absolutely right. Pierce is a part of Monday Night Raw. They never explained exactly what his position was. They didn't explain exactly what he did. They didn't explain who he was as a man or a former wrestler. Paul Heyman did better than the WWE has been able to do in what over a year. In one episode, explaining who he is and why you should care about him. That's the ge- I mean, I mean, we could say that's the genius of Paul Heyman, but honestly, boy, that's common sense. If you want me to be emotionally involved in somebody, you got to give me a little bit of a backstory here. Paul Heyman did a great job of that on SmackDown on Friday. Gave you the best he possibly could about Adam Pierce, and even even did something that. <laughs> I was shocked when I heard Paul say Paulie dangerously. He had to use a couple of old tricks just to get you to tune in and listen more intently. Because if if, if Heyman is talking to Pierce, it's kind of like, ah. Eh. But if he's saying things like, remember how good you used to be? Imagine how great you could have been. Imagine if me and you had hooked up back in the day. Now you're listening to Heyman. You're going, oh, wow, this Pierce guy must have... Must have been something in his day, huh? And he's in his wow. early forties. So, you, like, I love how Heyman said, "This is not where you wanted to be right now in your time of life." Meaning that at forty-two, hell, he could still be a champion at the age of forty-two. But yet, he's working in the back. But uh, everything that you've you, you say about it, you hate Roman. I don't really have a reason to hate Roman yet. Like, yes, his stuff with KO. Eh, uh, I've seen KO play popular. Bo- Kevin Owens he's is very, very popular, popular, but he's been but he's been a douchebag heel just as much as he's been a love baby face, and he can turn on the dimes. Roman's not doing anything to anybody that where I'm like, and and who did Roman do it to it do it to it first? He did it to his own blood, right? Yeah, you would think that him doing it to his own blood would make me despise him. But when Afa and Sika are standing at the top of the stage and they put that ceremonial headdress uh, crowning him, you know, the, the, the head of the table and the uh, and the um, the tribal chief tribal chief. Well, uh, th- that's their family heritage. Why am I supposed to hate this guy? He must have did something right. Hey, everyone. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Go back and watch Shinsuke Nakamura from this past Friday in that gauntlet match on SmackDown. And Bully, I mean, for the most part, I mean, for the the year 2020 was not kind to Shinsuke Nakamura. Here was a guy that was in one of the premier matches at WrestleMania in New Orleans against AJ Styles. And then since that, I mean, the whole entrance with Nita Strauss playing his entrance, it was like such a great moment for Shinsuke. And then since then, it's kind of been downhill for him. It was good to see him back in the ring doing what he does best. And then going through, you know, Rey Mysterio, Baron Corbin, a, a, a classic match between him and Daniel Bryan on Friday as well. And then, obviously, it all led to the story with Adam Pierce and Roman Reigns. And we'll get to that in a second. But, Bully, after watching Shinsuke Nakamura, do you think that, all right, finally there's a wake-up call, they're going to use Nakamura the right way, or was that just a one-off for SmackDown this past Friday? 
probably a one-off, unfortunately. Hopefully they do something with Shinsuke. Let me ask you this. After watching Shinsuke perform on SmackDown, remind me again why he's on the back burner? Uh, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely no sense. Like, uh, why, do, why do you bring in... I mean, I know the reason, but I'm just going to play dumb here. Why do you bring in a guy that main evented the uh, Tokyo Dome and Wrestle Kingdom twice? Why, why do you bring in a guy that was considered one of the best wrestlers on the planet? And I know he's not an entertainer or a, uh, you know, he one of those things. He actually is, by the way. I, I he was actually get to is that. an entertainer. But he, pro- that he, that he proved it. He is an entertainer. He had that whole Michael Jackson stick going. He's got an incredible entrance. He fits. He checks every box in the WWE. The box that he doesn't check is probably the most important one to Vince McMahon, though. He can't talk. Yeah, he also won the I mean, Rumble as well. But, Bully, we could have the same discussion about people that were in the forefront and that were, um, you know, storyline-driven on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown that have been put on the back burner, like like Alana. I mean, for weeks, Lana's like the big story on Monday Night Raw, and then, boom, nothing. And Otis is somebody that we were talking about for weeks and weeks on the show, and then suddenly, boom, you know, they don't, they're not using them anymore. So Shinsuke yeah. Nakamura is somebody that, like, you, you, you're 100% right. He checks all the box. He's entertaining. He's a great wrestler. He proved it on Friday. That's why maybe, you know, and, and again, he was, forget about New Japan and, and, and headlining the Wrestle Kingdoms. When he was with NXT, he was amazing. That's why I'm throwing out his name. If you're not going to use him on SmackDown and you're not going to use him on the main roster, well, then guess what? Put him on NXT, you know, put him in a feud with Finn Balor for that NXT championship. I, I, I can't think of anything better for Finn Balor right now than stepping in the ring with Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm all about taking that talent and having them work in NXT because, first of all, I don't look at it as a step backwards. The WWE may. I don't. I don't think fans would. I think fans would be all for it. Shinsuke, Cesaro, Cesaro and Ciampa. Cesaro and Thatcher, Shinsuke and Balor, Shinsuke and anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, c- come on. And this is where it, so it's AEW is firing these guns by, hey, let's bring in a Miro, let's bring in a Sting. Okay, that's all fine and good, And you're, but you're only getting, to me, you're getting very little returns or, or long-term return right now, as long-term as we have right now. Sting came in. Popped the number the day he talked, and then since then, eh, it's kind of business as usual. I'm sure once Sting, if they advertise Sting is going to wrestle or do something more, we'll see what happens. But to me, you bring in a talent like that should push your father up the up the number ladder. I'm not seeing that right now. What could NXT do? We have a whole roster of talent that is not being used or used to their potential right now. What, what do the guys and gals in NXT need? They need a little bit of a rub. Uh, Rhea and, I know Rhea might be leaving, but let's just say Rhea and Raquel, they've done all that they can with them. They need somebody to help them out. Let's forget about the girls, because I don't know any girls from, uh, uh, any women from the main roster that the main roster would be willing to give up to come down to NXT. Let's talk about the women. Ciampa. Because he's one of the biggest stars. The, the locker room leader, Ciampa, the, 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 the NXT guy, the guy that bleeds black and gold. Okay, what is he doing? What is, what's going on with Ciampa? What is he doing? Right now, it's almost like they're building him back up again after coming back from that injury. For the most part, he's been in neutral for the last He's few doing a lot. That's what yeah. he's doing. He needs something to do. Why why not a, a talent from the main roster who can work his style, knows what he's about, who could tell a good story with him and help elevate him, and somebody that the NXT faith would be into? That's the direction I think NXT should go in. Yeah, hey, and, and listen, yeah. Ciampa, uh, there are very few things that I would like to do in the ring, but I see every once in a while I see a talent or two where I go, wow. The bully character, and that could do something. Chomp is one of those guys. Like, 
Champa Champa could use a character like that to beat the shit out of him a little bit and raise him to the next level. I'm only using the bully character because I know it would work and I'm peppering it in because that's a that's a next level uh star that could benefit from it. And that's that's storyline driven or working with uh working with uh, Cesaro is in ring work rate driven. Let's help some of those guys and gals take the next step. Well, and, and and again, this is where there's the disconnect between NXT and the main roster because the things that you're saying to help to help build up these personalities, these wrestlers and characters on NXT doesn't exactly mean once you go to the main roster that there's any kind of carryover. But when w- looking at social media during SmackDown on Friday, bully, a lot of people are saying, "Gosh, give this guy, put this guy in the main event, put a put a world title on Nakamura." I'm sorry, it's not going to happen on the main roster. If you look at the wrestlers right now that are holding on to the titles drew mcintyre on raw roman reigns on smackdown those are custom made world champions for a vince mcmahon's wwe i mean they they got the size they got the strength there they're the the poster of what vince mcmahon feels a pro wrestler should be if you're thinking that now after that performance on Friday that Nakamura is going to get any shot of holding on to a title or being in a main event at the on the main roster, it ain't going to happen. It's not happening. I'm not saying that it shouldn't happen, but it's not going to happen right now in the landscape of the main roster of the WWE. The best thing for him is like what Bully just said. Bring him to NXT. Put him on NXT. Bully, I think right now in the the, the WWE, I'm sure there's a lot of wrestlers on the main roster right now that would love to go back to NXT. You know, maybe with Nakamura, they're going to shine him up a little bit to get him ready for Roman. Maybe Roman's going to need something to do right after the Rumble going into Mania. Yeah, but you know how you know why I don't think that's the case, and that they were using Nakamura. And I'm not saying they, listen, they could put Nakamura in the U.S. title race or the IC title. I'm not. I'm not talking about a secondary title right now. The reason why I don't think they're going to use Nakamura, I could. I hope I'm wrong, is how quickly he went down with Jey Uso and Roman Reigns. You know, there wasn't a lot of fight to Nakamura. Now, I know he just went through some tremendous battles, but I can you could kind of feel when they're building towards something and when they're not building towards something. That went, Once that match was over and Roman, Jey Uso, and Adam Pearce came out, it was about Adam Pearce, and it wasn't about Shinsuke Nakamura. At least that's the feeling that I got watching the end of that show on Friday, Bully. Absolutely. There's three faces you saw. You saw Pierce, you saw uh, Roman, and you saw uh, Jay. Yeah. A- abso- absolutely. And, and and it looks like Adam Pierce is going to challenge Roman Reigns for the uh, Universal Championship at the Royal Rumble. Yes. And while we're saying his name, allow me to give him props. I think Adam Pierce is doing a phenomenal job. I really think he's doing a, a, a phenomenal job with the verbiage with his reactions to things, the selling of the super kick la- uh, on Friday night. Yep. He, Jey Uso, Uso catches him with the super kick, and he sells it like somebody that was out on his feet. If you have a concussion and you're out on your feet, when you fall down, your, body, your entire body goes stiff and bends in ways that it normally doesn't do. He stiff-legged, out on his feet, took a crumble face bump, and then you saw his arm go back and was all contorted. Man, did Adam Pierce sell that superkick accordingly. That is good stuff. He is doing a great job with the hand that he's dealt on a weekly basis. He doesn't come, he doesn't come across too heavy-handed. He backs down when he should. He reacts well. And last night in the ring, we saw him selling well. He obviously still looks good. So he if he actually great. had to have a match, he could pull it off. Maybe they're going to turn it into a three-way with, with uh, Pierce and Shinsuke. I don't know. 
My point right then and there was to say Adam Pierce has been doing a good job as the general manager of both shows or whatever the hell he's called with the verbiage. And last night we saw him do some good physicality. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts. Would Roman Reigns be booed or would he be cheered? I, I don't know. Based on the what he has done, I don't truly care uh, wrong word, sorry. I don't truly love anybody that he's done anything to. I care about all of them. I care about Uso. I care about Kevin. I, you know, I marginally care about Pierce. But like I just said, with his cousin, this was a family thing. This is this is between y'all, man. This is this is a, a family issue. So if if the tribal leaders of your family are cool with it, who am I to not be cool with it? Kevin Owens, he's been a baby face. He's been a heel. He's been a baby face. He's been a heel. He's been a baby face. He's been a heel. Okay, I'm. Uh, you beat the shit out of Kevin Owens. You're gonna have a hardcore match with Kevin Owens. You're gonna do some crazy shit with a Kevin Owens. I'm gonna be entertained by it. But do I really hate Roman for it? No. This stuff with Pierce. Do I really hate Roman for it? No. If you want me to hate somebody, if you want me to look at somebody in a traditional heel light, they have to do something that I. He, they have to do something to someone that I truly care about, love. I'm invested in. I have to sit back and go, wow, that was, you're a piece of shit for doing that. I haven't seen that yet from Roman. That's why I don't hate Roman. Corbin seems to be the only, you know, uh, plug and play heel that they have. Um, and I'm trying to think in the WWE who I really hate. <laughs> it's, it, it, and you got to almost look at it in terms of SmackDown, right? But who do you really love? Well, that's the thing, because you mentioned uh, Kevin Owens. Now, Kevin Owens, you would agree, is a pretty popular wrestler within the world of the WWE, and he's very well liked by the WWE universe. But emotional attachment and everything else, you're 100% right, Bully. Like, he's he's changed from heel to babyface to heel to, baby, to somebody that love and somebody you're supposed to eat. Hate so many different times. I think the best storyline that he ever was a part of was the festival of friendship with Chris Jericho, and he was a heel. So, like, you know, are you, do you really love Kevin Owens enough that you're that's going to make you hate Roman Reigns? I don't know. But you ask an even better question. Looking at the SmackDown roster right now, the only wrestler that I could say could possibly bring on some heat for Roman Reigns would be Big E. Outside of Big E, I don't think there's anybody else to get garner enough heat to make you hate Roman Reigns right now. Big E is a great example of somebody that the WWE Universe would love. Yes. Absolutely. So when that time comes, and it should come because they should be grooming Big E for a push to the Universal Championship, when that time comes, hopefully that hatred that we're getting out of, that we want to see from Roman will happen. I'm very opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to pro wrestling, and I'm, and I'm very traditional in many ways, Dave. Heels should be despised and hated. Baby faces should be adored and loved. Because when you get as far opposite ends of the spectrum, that's when you get the greatest business. The closer you come to the middle, the, the worse it is to me. My belief is that as a heel, when you're standing in the ring with a baby face, fans should be booing you before they cheer the face. My point is, you should try to elicit hatred in a fan before that baby face tries to elicit love. You should be able to command their hatred better than the baby face can command their love. 
and vice versa. When you're a babyface, your goal should be to command their love more than the heel can command their hatred. It's all about controlling people's emotions and who can command them and play with them and toy with them and dangle them. And if you have baby faces and heels who know how to do that, that's when the true magic happens. We haven't gotten a lot of that true magic in wrestling in a while. And if something has happened in the past couple of years, okay, fine, whatever. That's the way I like my stories to be told. I want to definitively not like this one guy or gal, and I want to definitively love this other one. Now, people say, oh, the business has changed, shades of gray. Is any, good, is any good guy really good 100% of the time? Is any bad guy bad 100%? That's fine. But history has shown us that when you keep it to black hat, white hat, good guys, bad guys, baby face and heels, things work famously because it's all about the stories that we tell in the middle of the ring. Is any new... When it comes to baby faces and heels, love and hate, is there any new theories that seem to be working? New theories. Probably new theories. New takes on baby faces and heels. Are there any new takes on baby faces? Do we have somebody like is there anybody that is a shade of gray that's truly working? Uh no, let's I, take I just, let's take Jericho for a second, right? Okay. Jericho is what people like to refer to as a heel who gets a babyface reaction. Yes, he does. Does it truly work? No, I I because I because I, it's not playing. Here's why it doesn't work, bully. Because it's not playing off of what I'm seeing on TV. Like, it's just that Jericho is love. Fans don't want to boo him. They want to sing his entrance theme. But if you really buy into the stories that are happening on the show, he should be getting booed. But he's not. You know, but, but I think the biggest problem is, and a lot of it, like, a lot of people want to blame the fans. The fans not buying in. But at the same time, I think, like, in the world of pro wrestling, they're not giving the fans a chance to buy in. Okay. And I'm just going to throw Jericho as a point. You know how much I love Jericho. But he comes out to a song that people want to sing. Don't come out with a song that people want to sing. Change your theme because that's going to piss off the fans. They'll start booing when you come out, when you're not coming out to Judas that fans can sing along to. Look at the WWE right now. Asuka. Asuka has changed characters and personality so many times it makes me dizzy. Sasha Banks. It wasn't that long ago she was the most hated women's wrestler in the W. Now she's the most popular. Big E is one of the few wrestlers. I would say Big E and Kofi Kingston are two of the few wrestlers in the WWE that has not changed their personality and character to the point where they're loved. That you really got emotion, Bully, when they broke the New Day up. Because there was an emotional attachment to the New Day. And they broke the New Day up. But they've changed people's characters and personas so many times. It's hard to get emotionally attached. That's why I don't blame the fans. I blame creative not having enough faith in the fans that they could get emotionally attached to a wrestler and their character. And emotionally attached is the biggest thing. Fans don't know what to emotion. And I think a lot of wrestling companies are leaving it up to the fans. Well, you can react however you want to react as long as you're reacting and tuning into the product or paying for the product. But when you get too many shades of gray, it's like Kenny is supposed Omega is supposed to be hated right now, right? Yes. Cheated to win. Oh, the 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 five star match machine cheated to win to beat Moxley, yes? Yes. Were you hating him in his match against Phoenix? No, I, and, and I certainly wasn't hating him when he was doing the two sweet with the Bucks and the Good Brothers to end that show. But again, that's because I think it's because it's a moment and it's something that people want to see. And like you talk about that, that great, again, it's building towards a moment. 
but in the but it, but I look at the I look at AEW a little bit differently than I look at the WWE. AEW is kind of leaning towards that hardcore audience where they look for the six and seven star match. WWE doesn't do that. They, they WWE has always been about building baby faces and heels and characters and personalities. That's how I always looked at the WWE as being bully. And they really you, haven't been doing that lately. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna use a personal example real quick to ch- to try to paint the picture of what I'm talking about and how it how it generates interest, a rating, whatever you want to call it. When Bully Ray put Dixie Carter through a table, was Dixie Carter loved or hated? She was hated. Was Bully Ray loved or hated? He was loved. Did it work? Yeah, it got uh, I think the biggest rating that impact probably ever had but yeah my point is my point is this when you take somebody that is loved and they do something to when you take if you take somebody that's hated and they do something to somebody that's loved people are going to be interested in in seeing the person that was loved get back at that other person who is hating it will generate interest how do we measure interest in wrestling by a rating or by asses in seats And from what we're seeing across the board right now, is anybody truly loved or hated by the numbers that we see? Uh, Don't answer it. My personal opinion is no. I think we're getting very general ratings across the board by our target audience, and nobody is truly moving the needle based on storytelling. What moved the needle last week for the WWE? Say say again? I'm sorry. What what moved the needle last week for the WWE? Probably the legends on Monday on Raw. Yeah, they did 2.1 2.1 million, right? Yeah. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's uh, it, it remains to be seen. We'll have to figure out what kind of rating they get tonight, but if it's back to like a 1.6, 1.7, then it probably was just what it was, a way to pop a rating for one show one week. Let's jump over to AEW. Is there somebody in AEW that you truly care about? Yes, there is actually. Uh, cool. Right now, right now, um, I think Darby Allen's doing a great job to get me to care about him. Um Stop right there. It's time for somebody to take Darby Allen's skateboard and shove it up his ass. And they, and but they're but but the one thing is they are building towards something with Team Taz with Sting. They see something in Darby Allen and they're doing something with it. You know, they just turned the Bucks with Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers showing up. I'm interested to see. I'm going to tune in on Wednesday to see where exactly that goes. My, I, I agree. But somewhere down the line, somebody has to get mega heat on Darby Allen. Break his legs so he can't ride his skateboard anymore. You have to do something to this guy. You have to make people feel bad for him. And in turn, Sting has to be the reason why. So Sting can feel bad that he put Darby Allen in this position. Because if Sting cries for Darby, fans will cry for him too. That's that's emotion right there. Not just your typical lights out. It's Sting! It's Darby! Okay, yeah, we get it. And and I think they are. You're going to think I'm you're going to think I'm crazy, bully. But do you know I think it was the best heel in the WWE in 2020? Who? Pat McAfee. Do you have no? I don't agree, because you came on this show and you put him over for all the bumps he took in that match. You didn't come on the show going good. Fuck Pat McAfee. I'm glad he's he's in a neck brace, because I wanted to see him get his ass kicked. You're like, oh no, Pat McAfee. He what he it's did true. was great. You were like, Pat McAfee's the best thing. You're putting him over to the moon. If you have somebody that truly can. 
make you hate them, you're not going to put it over. You're going to be happy to see them get their ass kicked in their day in court. And people will say, yeah, but wrestling's not like that no more. We know that, you know, it's a show and it's all this, blah, blah, blah. The true greats who know what they're doing can make you forget about all that. They, they will dis- suspend your disbelief. And I don't believe there's enough of that. Because I, mean, I don't I think-, think that, the, I, I think there's only a handful of people who truly want to be hated. You know who knows how to be hated? Eddie Kingston, Taz. These guys know how to be hated. Taz doesn't do anything. Let's just take Taz for instance. Does Taz say anything on the microphone that makes you like him right now? No. People might be like, oh, I love Taz on the mic because he's a good pro. But he's not saying anything you like. He cuts people off. He's rude. He's a dick. Yeah. Like, but here's the problem. I don't want to see, I don't want to see Stalks get beat up. I don't want to see Hook get beat up. I don't want to see, uh... Uh, who was the kid that was on our show? Hobbs. Hobbs get well, beat Hobbs. up. I don't want to see uh, uh, Cage get beat up. I want to see Taz get beat up. I really do. Th- there you go. Taz does such a good job on the microphone at being a heel. You want to see him get punched in the face. And again, maybe it's the structure of pro wrestling right now. You mentioned Eddie Kingston, and Eddie Kingston is fire on the microphone, and he said some things to make you want to hate him. But did people hate Eddie Kingston? No, they love the story of Eddie Kingston, and they love the fact that he was in a championship match against Moxley. Because he's the underdog. A heel underdog is not really going to work. I would take Darby here, here, top of my head, and, and this has nothing to do with individuals. It has to do with the, the 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 images that they can portray. Could you imagine Kingston breathing down Darby Allen's neck, cutting an, a, a real Eddie Kingston promo about how how uh, Darby Allen is 170 pounds soaking wet with a brick in his pocket, and how Darby Allen would never survive a day in the streets where Eddie Kingston came from and Darby Allen would never have survived a day in the real world of pro wrestling that Eddie Kingston had a scratch and claw through for the past 19 years. You're a flash in the pan, kid. You take the makeup and the skateboard away. You're nothing. You're a nobody. You're a backyard wrestler. No better than the guys who hired you, the Bucks. You start driving. You start pushing that down people's throat. You start driving that home. You're going to get hatred. But you never let off of it. You don't say anything entertaining. You don't say anything witty. You don't ever say anything that's going to pop the crowd. That's the problem with heels. Some of these heels. They want to say things that are going to get a reaction for themselves. The only reaction a heel should get is the booing of the fans. Hatred. Every second of every minute that you're in that segment, you should be wanting to be more and more and more hated because the more you're hated the more loved he will be well is there anybody right now in the world of wrestling that fits that ideology that you just mentioned i'd have to go over the entire list of guys with you but i know enough guy. i see in enough guys and gals people that can portray that mjf you know we all we always one mjf can definitely be one but MJF, when I see MJF do the skit with Jericho, he's too freaking entertaining now. Listen, now he becomes so entertaining that when MJF tells Brody Jr. to go to hell on social media, I'm saying, oh my God, I can't believe MJF said that. <laughs> As opposed to being like, you know what? That dude's a scumbag. And I hope somebody beats the shit out of him for saying what he said about Brody's kid. I get it. It's the word. Look, if there was any place I thought I was going to get more of a traditional heel and babyface, it was AEW just because of what they set forth. Look at where I'm getting the entertainment from. There's a song and dance number going on in AEW. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm not saying I wasn't entertained by it. But for a company who's supposed to be the more traditional pro wrestling, rules, regulations, and this and that, and return to glory and strong style. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime gal. Yeah, I hate you. 
I really hate you, MJF. Look at the most successful heels in the history of the industry. And then tell me when they were entertaining. Or when they did something that made you laugh. But but here's but here's the problem, bully. Like I, let's throw out a name from the past that was truly hated. Rowdy Roddy Piper. When he was in that feud with, with Jimmy Superfly Snooker, he was hated. I think if you took Roddy Piper from then and put him out, first of all, he wouldn't be able to get away with what he was able to get away with then now. That's the that's the first that's the one thing we didn't get into. With the world right now, you wouldn't be able to get away with a lot of the stuff that that truly got Roddy Piper hated. But the other thing too, I think fans would be so into Roddy Piper, he would automatically be one of the most popular people on the roster. Not if you put him in the same scenarios. And if you had Roddy Piper doing that today, it's because Roddy Piper would have been beloved. You have to take situational stuff. So give me a modern-day Roddy Piper. Mm, all right, I'll, I'll give you one that I think it actually works, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and again, you need that opponent that's going to make it work. Roddy Piper needed Jimmy Superfly Sticker, who was truly loved, to make it work. You might think I'm crazy. Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Britt Baker is is very entertaining, and she's hated. Why? Because it, the end game is Thunder Rosa, and Thunder Rosa right now is so popular with that AEW fan base. I, if there was a match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa in an arena full of 15,000 people, I think all 15,000 people would be behind Thunder Rosa. As entertaining as Britt is, she doesn't... I still want to see her get her teeth kicked in. Yes. All of her heelish stuff that might be a little entertaining is still at the end of the day. I'm like, man, I hope the good dentist gets her teeth kicked in. I hope she has to take a drill bit to her own molars. I hope somebody rearranges Britt Baker's face. Agreed. I want to see her get beat up. I'm at the point with Britt Baker where I don't care who beats her up as long as somebody beats her up. And when you can start to get that kind of emotion out of people, you know you're doing your job as a heel. When Britt poured the water on all over uh, Thunder Rosa's face, and remember when Britt got right up to the camera and she's trying to show Thunder Rosa's reflection in the camera, and Britt's looking right in the camera and she's talking all that crap? I was like, oh boy, I hope you get yours, girl. I hope you get yours. You, then you know they're doing a good job because I'm forgetting about the fact that that Britt could have been entertaining you know, while she was hurt and doing some things. But she's acting like a you-know-what. And I want to see her get beat up for it. And that's what you should want to see. You should always want to see the heel get his ass kicked. Always. Heyman built an act in the Dudleys that were designed to lose every night. We lost all the time. We never won. But you know what we never lost? Heat. And as long as we had our heat, it didn't matter who came through the curtain. As long as that person kicked our ass on that night. And and you know what, Bully? It works the other way, too. It, it also works building up a baby face that you want to love. That that one wrestler that keeps trying and keep trying, like a like a Tommy Wildfire Rich or a Tommy Dreamer. He keeps he keeps coming back for more. He won't quit. He won't. He he keeps losing, but then he's there the next week. Have you ever seen a baby face selling on the floor where fans would reach over the guardrail to help pick that baby face up? Other than Tommy Dreamer, tell me where you've seen that before. The, the only the only time I saw, and the reason I bring Tommy Rich, because going back and doing some history, it hap- it worked with Tommy Rich. But but the only time I really saw it play out like that was that that historic rise of Daniel Bryan. Since then, I haven't really seen it. I I really have not seen it. The willingness of the fan to 
actually put themselves in harm's way to help lift their baby face off the ground. That is love. And when you have a guy like Dreamer who's, who's doing that, you're comparing him to a Tommy Rich, which, if people don't know, was next-level godlike babyface at one point in his career. Yes, yes. or no, Dave? Early 80s, he, he was, without a doubt, the most popular wrestler in pro wrestling. Walked on water. Loved. When you get that, now you can send any heel to beat up Tommy Dreamer because you know any heel that's in there with them is going to get over just because they beat up Tommy Dreamer. There's people who will listen to this discussion who will think that my take is entirely too archaic, entirely too old school. I will take this method, this old school method, and apply it to any wrestlers today, anybody, and I will make it work. And you want to I know can something? do it in five minutes with any two wrestler. You give me five minutes of television time where I produce it, five minutes with any two wrestlers, and I'll make it work. And you want to know That's how much that... I believe in the technique. And there's two wrestlers in the WWE right now where it would work, and that's Big E and Kofi Kingston. Why? Because they have not messed with their personality and characters for years. Hey, everyone. This is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Somebody on social media, and I should have wrote down the name. I'll give you props later when I go to look back. Somebody tweeted me on Saturday morning that they had found Star Wars 85 from the Meadowlands on YouTube. And I went absolutely crazy. That's one of my all-time favorite shows. I haven't watched it since I was actually in the seat at the Meadowlands watching it with my father. And I went back and watched it. And it's so funny because I was thinking to you, Bully, because when we watched Monday Night Raw, a few weeks back from from 98 you said hey let's look at this with you know 2020 eyes so i went back and watched that show with 2021 eyes and it's funny there would be so many things that the fans would complain about that we would probably complain about you know watching that show back and it first of all it was the road warriors against jerry the king lawler and baron von rash now Baron Von Rasty and Jerry Lower were the baby faces, the road warriors, the heels. You would never know it by the reaction of that Meadowlands crowd of, of 18,000 plus were going absolutely insane for the road warriors. So I was thinking, boy, if that was happening now, oh, these fans are so too smart for their own good. What do they do? They're not buying in. These are supposed to be hated eels. Am I right or am I right? No, am I right or am I right? Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> right. Um, Groundhog Day. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but listen, you very rarely in the Northeast did you get to see the Road Warriors. The only place you saw the Road Warriors are on WTBS or in the magazine. So if the Road Warriors were coming to town, they were so over. They were such mega stars that you were never going to boo them. You had to cheer them because they're the freaking Road Warriors. They're the greatest tag team of all time. And here you are in New York and New Jersey or wherever in the Northeast, and you finally get to see them for the first time. So I am not shocked that the Road Warriors uh, got cheered. Also, too, in that match, and, you know, Jerry the King Lawler was known for, you know, the right fist from the second rope. Also, his pile driver. He he gives a pile driver to Road Warrior Hawk, and Hawk just bounces right up. I mean, completely no self. A pile driver. Nah, but I know the road you're going to go down now. Certain characters, certain wrestlers through history were allowed to get away with something like that. It's because of the few and far between that made it special. Hawk's whole thing was his thick neck, his neck muscles, the strength in his neck. Remember when he they used to come on and do their interviews? And if Animal would talk first, 
Hawk would flex his neck and was able to pop the neck collar that he had off. (laughs) I mean, think of that neck strength. You can pop the neck collar off. It's incredible. So when Lawler hits him with the pile driver and Hawk no-sells it and pops up, you can believe it. Because I kind of look at wrestlers as video game characters. We all have a speed rating, a strength rating, a durability rating. And, like, if you're one of the road warriors, your rating was 10 across the board. And it's probably, if, if memory serves me correct, Lawler... And I don't know if it was that show. I think Lawler told one of the Road Warriors to do that the very first time that they wrestled. Or somebody told Hawk to no-sell the pile driver and pop up uh, immediately because it was going to help get Hawk over as this, like, oh, my God, he just popped up out of a pile driver. What are we going to have to do to beat this guy? That's the way the Road Warriors were built. That's the way certain wrestlers were built. This guy is impervious to any everything. That doesn't mean 175-pound guys today should be doing it twice a match, which we see happen. Oh, a pile driver? Yeah, no big deal. I think I'll just pop up and hulk up. That's wrong. What Hawk did is acceptable because of the way they were built. Also, too, um, Bully, uh, the main event was Ric Flair defending the NWA championship against Harley Race. And what was amazing to me watching that match back was Harley Race. And you kind of forget how great Harley Race was. And at this point in his career, he couldn't really do a lot in the ring. He didn't need to. The thing that really kind of grabbed me was his punches and how believable his punches were and how great Flair sold the punches from Harley Race. We're kind of used of the rapid fire punches and kicks and things like that. Harley Race, like, go back and watch that match. One punch, bam, and, and Ric Flair would... Fall right back. I mean, because a, a guy like Harley Race is going to give you a right-handed fist. You're going to fall to the ground. That was the beauty of the way they worked back then. Not wrestled, not perform, worked. Because if Harley Race punches you in the face, you're going to fall down. It's not going to take Harley Race 10 punches. It's going to take him one punch. And that's the realism of the work. If I punch you one time, you're going to go down. Because if Ric Flair and Harley Race were in a bar or anywhere else in the world and Harley Race dropped a right hand on Ric Flair's jaw, Ric Flair would go down. So why not in a wrestling ring? That's believable. That's realistic. I can't stand it when a guy puts another guy in a corner or rifles off all of these shots. I also would rather see guys learn how to punch to the jaw like a like a Harley or a Rick or an Undertaker can. You get a lot of guys who punch to the top of the head. Listen, Devon was one of the best punchers I've ever seen. He's a great puncher, but he would always punch to the top of the head. Top of the head is the hardest part of somebody's body, so logic dictates that you're going to hurt your hand, you know, before you're going to hurt the other guy's head. But um it should only take one shot, maybe two, to drop somebody. Yeah, and the other, the reason why I bring it up, and and if you're old enough to remember, like me, you know that show was the first of the Pro Wrestling USA show, and that's when you know in 1984 Vince McMahon really put made that national push with the World Wrestling Federation. So a lot of the old school territories and promotions had to scramble to kind of compete. So what they did is they put on the shows, especially in the Northeast, which was a stronghold for the WWF. They couldn't do it at the Garden. I mean, that's why that Ring of Honor New Japan show a year and a half ago was so huge. You you couldn't penetrate Madison Square Garden. So they would do these shows at the Meadowlands, and they drew and they drew record crowds. They drew between eighteen and nineteen thousand for a lot of those shows. And the reason I bring that up because right now we're seeing it being played out with Kenny Omega and AEW, and obviously not in the same way because there's no fans in attendance. But this relationship with other organizations, I think it's pretty timely because 
They go back to 1984 and 1985. The writing was on the wall. The direction that pro wrestling was going into. Now it almost seems like the WWE, in a lot of ways, have let their guard down, and now they have let an AEW kind of, you know, seep into the foundation. If AEW can play this situation right, bully, this could be a form of competition for the WWE. Listen. If Bully and I were having this conversation three, even just three, four years ago, people would have thought that we were nuts because there was no competition for the WWE. No organization was able to fill an arena in the United States if it didn't have the letters WWE attached to it. But we're seeing right now, Bully, if fans accept it and you don't have this fractured state and within our community, this could this could be a pretty uh, flourishing time for pro wrestling outside the WWE right now. Uh, slow and steady wins the race, and I think as we progress forward um, with the entire pro wrestling business, it almost seems like there's the possibility of territories reforming. I heard this conversation taking place among some wrestling fans on social media. Uh, AEW being the only real competition right now for the WWE when it comes to uh, programming. All that what they need to do is they just need to continue doing what they do and hopefully pick up more viewers. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.